Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. We're going to open up to 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to pray. God, I just thank you for this day. You, oh God, know everything. <laughs> if that's not the most understatement of the, of, of the year, God, you know everything, everyone. You know things that are going to happen before they happen. You know the hearts, the intentions. You know all things. And we just thank you that you are with us, that you speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. First John chapter 4, we're going to start off uh, with some fun stuff. This is written um, by an author named John. Uh, John is one of Jesus' besties, if you will. Um, he is the disciple that Jesus loved. Uh, he is the one that constantly writes about love. John um, knows a little something about Jesus. And so we're reading from a perspective of a man who had a very intimate knowledge of the heart of Jesus. I think it's interesting because some people have an intimate knowledge of, the, um, of punishing Jesus. Some people have intimate knowledge of what well, they think they do of angry Jesus. John had a, a intimate knowledge of who he was in all context. He watched him in all seasons of his ministry, in the good times, in the bad times. John is the one at the Last Supper who lays his head on his shoulders. John is the one who, who ran to the tomb with Peter. Um, and it says that he outran Peter, so he was a little braggadocious. I'm good with that one too. Um, to, to get there first, uh, I, John knows a lot about Jesus. And so in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, uh, it says this, Beloved, would stop. To, to use that word, it means you were loved. You can't be loved if you aren't loved. John, out of the gate, looks at you and say, you're loved. Hey, you, the loved ones, listen to what I'm going to say. Let us love one another. How can you love one another if you aren't already loved? For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So John in this context is saying, you are loved, okay? Since you are loved, you can love. Where does this love come from? This love comes from God. A lot of times when we go to look at love, we go right to 1 Corinthians 13. It's a great passage. Read it. It's got all these things on the wall over here. We love those things. But can I tell you, the source of love is not these things. The source of love is God. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. I know for some of us, like when it comes to sermons, like I get really geeked out on words and phrases and uh, whether it's Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic and we go through all of these different nuances, but sometimes words and its order are unbelievably important. This is one of those contexts where the words and its level of where it's placed is very important because the Bible says this, is that God is love. 
it doesn't say that love is God. And, and there has to be a, a distinction there. God is love, but it doesn't say God equals love. Because love and God, <laughs> love is an attribute of who God is. But God is not an attribute of what love is. Okay. Pete is pastors, but not all pastors is Pete. She says, amen. Jeez, Linda, I just built you up. Um, yeah. God is love, but love is not God. And this is very important for me because how I deem what love is, then I want to attribute that to who God should be. Because my context of what love is could be very different than who God is. The second thing, and equally important about this passage, is, is that love is an attribute of God, but God's attributes are not independent from their other attributes. So, so because God is holy, it does not mean that God stops being love. And because God is love doesn't mean he stops being righteous. And just because God is righteous doesn't mean that he, he is all-knowing. So here's the kicker is that we take all of his attributes and say, at one time, they can't come against each other. I, I'm also pastor. I am also a dad. I am also a son. I am also a friend. You with me? Because I put my dad hat on doesn't mean I stop being a pastor. Those two aren't at war with each other. And if they're at war with each other, they're not who I am. And this is where we find God. A lot of times in our world, we want to say, in this situation, God is love. But in this situation, God is holy. And in this situation, God is going to be righteous. But you can't separate God's attributes from each other. They all equally flow into the same thing. And this is where it gets really muddy because somebody wants to look at me and go, how can a loving God send someone to hell? And my answer is, how can a loving God not? Because he's going to be love and righteous. He's going to be holy and pure. It's not at war. And I think a lot of times we have this budget mindset of God's got these pieces of pie and I'm going to get 25% holy, but then if I use all my holiness over here, then I'm going to be loving over here. And, and can I tell you, God doesn't do that. Uh, uh, a great theologian says this, is that we are complex beings. We have fingers, we've got toes, we've got arms. If I lose my arm, I'm still who I am. If I lose my toe, I can still walk. If I, if I do something that's harmful to my body, I can still most of the time survive. The issue is, is that God is a simplistic being in the context of everything merges. You cannot separate one attribute from another. Because if I can separate God's attributes, then I can pick and choose what my God can look like at any given moment. So when we see God and we, walk, we talk about his goodness and we talk about his greatness and we talk about his love, it's all the same. And this is how we can go through painful moments in our life and say, God loved me through it. Because it's who he is. I, I, I love that God is love. It doesn't say that God is loving. 
God is loving because he is love. So let's flip that to you. You're not a sinner because you sinned. You sin because you're a sinner. Okay, were you with me? Because we, we separate, oh, God loved me in this situation. And this is the kicker of it all when it says that God is love. God is both love when he is giving me a present and when he's punishing me. That's what parents do. Are you not loving your kid when you go, you're, you're in time out? No. You love them you don't enjoy it all the time, but love forces action. This is why God says, for God so loved the world that he, Paul's, his love forces action. And so when everyone's looking at God being love, they have this idea of God is just floating with these like love-drawn eyes and as, as Cupid keeps shooting him with arrows and, and he has nothing but just warm affection infinitely towards someone. But my Bible also says those he loves, he corrects. And correction ain't always fun. Ask me how I know. Was there ever a moment in my life where I thought my dad didn't love me because he corrected me? Yes. Every, everybody who had parents who disciplined them understand that. You hate me. Nope. I love you enough to do this. Can I get on a soapbox for a second? This is an issue we have with parents today. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, Dad, you're gonna, I have the mic, and you're going to get me in trouble because it's going to be my voice on, yeah, no. Listen, let me explain something to you. Our kids should not control our actions. I know this is a very unpopular opinion, and I'm not being sarcastic. This is a very unpopular opinion. The amount of times I've talked to somebody and go like, hey, man, what's going on? Uh, how come you're in church? Oh, my kids just didn't feel like going today. Okay. I didn't feel like going today. <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm a grown man. If I miss church, who do you think is knocking on my door? Because even though I'm an adult, I'm still going to be a son. And if I, soon to be 40, still have parents that love me enough to go, hey, bucko, what you doing? If your kid is 12, 10, 8, 7, 6, whatever magic number it is, love them enough to go, let's do this. Why? Because it's what's best for your kids. Sometimes going, you can either go with a smile on your face or a sore behind, is the best form of love you can possibly give somebody. The choice is theirs. I, my mom used to do that to me all the time. Baby, you get to, I'm not going to punish you. You get to make this choice. Do you want to go with a smile or do you want to go grabbing your booty? <laughs> the choice is yours. I'm like, sometimes I challenge it, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's like when, you, when you're sick, you tell your mom or dad, like, I'm 
I'm sick, I can't go. And they go, throw up and prove it. (laughs) And then you throw up and they go, don't you feel better, let's go to church. Like, either way, you're going to figure it out. This is where our world all of a sudden pauses because we have this idea that to show love means to show unlimited affection and only affection. And that's not true. For God so loved that he gave both gifts and he gives correction. For God so loved that he places me on a mountaintop and he puts me in the corner. For God so loved that he both guides me towards still waters and sometimes he guides me with a prod. God is love. No matter what he does in this world, he is love. And he always is love. And his love and his righteousness and his holiness are not something that he hits play and pause depending on which hat he wants to wear. It's who he is. God God is so much love, he rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. How can you say that, Pete? Because he is love. And he can't separate. So out of doing that, there was love in that context. Because he loves his word and his righteousness and who he is so much that he has to fulfill his word. Why? Because he is trustworthy. So now, if I do something that you don't want me to do, or I don't do something that you do want me to do, and then I have to ask, am I going to stop being trustworthy to make you happy? And God is not interested in your happiness. No, that's not fun. I wish he was sometimes. You know what? No, I'm so glad he's not interested in my happiness. Can you imagine? Absolute chaos. If Pete's will be done, good Lord. Talk about population control. There would be no traffic. I would be like, it wouldn't be, man. I'd be like Will Smith when he was like, you know, fighting the zombies or whatever it was in that movie. Last Man Alive or Standing, whatever it was. Just, I'm good. Go. Yeah. Then I'd create people for a couple of days because I like people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Y'all go away. Yeah. Anybody else feel like that? Like, you're like, I love you guys. Y'all are my best friends in the world. I'll see you next month. I'm good. Like, I, I just, I want some space. Like, I, that would be me. Like, I, I would just, that would, just being honest. But God is love. It's who he is. And as we dive into anything that is love, which is patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, we have to understand it comes from an example, and it is who God is. As we dive into how to show love to a neighbor, to an enemy, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, one of the most quoted verses of all time. And, And there is a a misnomer that we have to pause on, and that is this. God does not love future you. I was, I was just meditating on this last night. I was feeling sick. I was not doing well physically. <laughs> and I don't know if it was the tears from this concept I'm about to talk through or me feeling sick. There was tears. And it gets to a place where I had this understanding that God does not love future Pete. I have been trained and I have 
trained other people with this idea that we see the gold in somebody else beneath the dirt that everyone else sees. Right? And then it hits me because what I'm telling you to do is I want you to love the future version of them and tolerate who they are today. And then my heart broke. I want you to love the version that looks good. We'll just tolerate the mess until we get to where we can actually love them. God didn't love future you. He loved you when you were in your least lovable state. He didn't tolerate you until you got a suit and tie on. And he goes, all right, I knew it was there somewhere. No. In our darkest and deepest hole we could have possibly dug ourselves, he loved you. He loved you when you had a bottle in one hand and a needle in the arm. He loved you when you were doing your best things and when you were doing your worst things. He didn't love you more because you're in a spot that you're in now, and he didn't love you less because you were at the bar and you couldn't find your keys. He he didn't love you when you were in, he didn't not love you when you're in prison, but now loves you that you've got a five bedroom house. He he loved you always at the exact same level, no matter where you were. And what happens is, Thomas, what happens is is that we are constantly teaching people to tolerate other people instead of loving them where they are. And this is why God says, love your enemies. And I go, ha! I will love them because I believe prophetically one day down the road, they're going to be exactly what I want them to be. Ooh, yeah, I can see that person one day making some changes and making some adjustments and then they're going to get saved because I'm going to be around them and then they're going to realize that they were wrong in all the ways they treated me and they're going to come and repent and we're going to hug and we're going to be great and then they're going to look at me and go, I wouldn't be anywhere without you. And I'm like, I know, right? Uh, and and, and, and it, it's going to build this place and and then all of a sudden we're going to have a story and we're going to be on television and we're going to talk about how if it wasn't for me that this person wouldn't be there and they loved me in my lowest point and that's the person I'm going to love until we get there. I'll appease you. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a crumb until you take a step forward. And this is why we look at people and they go, I'll meet my spouse 50%. In other words, I'll give you a crumb if you give me a crumb. And then I'll take a step. If we would do that to the people that we have sworn our lives to, how much more to an enemy? And God's looking at us going, I gave you 100%. Take it or leave it. Because it's who he is. He, God doesn't understand moderation. I love like weird, obscure documentaries, and I'm watching this one. It was like this thing was called the Billionaires Table, and it's these people that are like billionaires, and they're playing poker or 21, whatever it is. And you know, like I've played, it's fun. I like cards. I'll play for a quarter nickel dime. They're playing for a quarter million dollar buy-ins. Like to look at your cards is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. To play the hand. It's $500,000. And then we just bet from there. Somebody says, wow, that's insane. 
because we understand moderation. They, when you've got $8 billion, do you understand how small a quarter million is? It's a pocket change. So when God has so much love that he's been pouring out, he's not on this moderation budget. He just gives it all out. It's because it's who he is. He can't, he doesn't have Instagram filters where he is acting one way around you and one way around somebody else. God is, here I am. It's who I am. Take it or leave it. And that's how we can look and say, if you do not love, you don't know God. That's what John says right there. And this is what's really cool because that word know, gnosko, is a very intimate word. Have you ever wrote a book report on a president when you were growing up? Steve, who'd you write on? Do you remember? How cool was it when you hung out with Andrew Jackson? No, but I guarantee you, you could probably still to this day rattle off facts about Andrew Jackson. Yeah. See, he knows about Andrew Jackson. But he doesn't have a Gnosko intimate relationship with Andrew Jackson. I believe that if Steve was to tell us a story of Andrew Jackson, it would be a cold story of facts and figures. But if I asked Steve to tell me his story of him and Linda, there would be nuances that wouldn't make a typical encyclopedia. Because he Gnosko's his wife. He knows up here uh, Andrew Jackson. So for God to say, sure, you can know about, I know God. I said a prayer. I've read the Bible. I know, I went to church. You can know God and not show love. But you can't know his heart and not show love. Any man, woman, boy or girl who can say, oh, I love God and hate my enemies does not know God. And this is what he's saying in 1 John 4, is if you can't show God's love, I question, you ready for this? Whether or not you even know who God is. And that phrasing alone should scare every single person in first, when, when John wrote that gospel, when John wrote that epistle. Because he's writing to people who know God. He's writing to religious people of that day. He goes... <laughs> Y'all don't know God. In other words, your entire life has been a fraud. That's what he's saying. If you don't know people like I, if you don't know, if you don't love like this God loves, you're a hypocrite and a charlatan at best. So know God. And if you go to know him, you'll know his love. And this is how, you ready for this? You can take a hardened drug dealer and watch him weep over somebody giving their life to Christ. Because he met God. This is how, when I was in a, a, a pastor for about 10 years, I realized that my loving God switched over to knowing God. This happened to me when I was at a Starbucks. I can tell you the exact Starbucks at the exact location. Uh, all of it. It's frozen in time. Back, this is uh, 2013. I'm standing inside of a Starbucks. I can't even tell you what I was going to order that day. It is burned into my mind. As I'm getting up, there's about four people in front of me. It's a long Starbucks. Well, it's a typical Starbucks. Um, and the uh, 
barista, baristo, I don't know, he was a guy, um, barista bro, is, is taking people's orders. And uh, I'm there, I can see my friend Will is sitting over at the other table, I'm going to buy our food, our drinks, and he's sitting there, it's a couple of pastors, going to have a pastor's meeting, talk about our city, talk about what we're going to do, we're linking arms together, I've got, uh, I mean, he, he had this idea of a series called Better Together, uh, we've got six different youth pastors together, we are, all six of us are going to be sharing um, a series, our series are going to be recorded, we're going to be broadcasting our series at each church on the exact same day. So the idea is that Will is going to preach a message, and all six youth groups are going to watch Will's message. I'm going to preach a message. All six youth groups are going to watch my. We're going to show we're unified to love our cities, that pastors don't have to be at odds with each other, but we can show that we're unified, right? It's a really cool concept. And as I'm standing in line, I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm kicking some ideas around, and, and we're talking about some scripts. We're talking about our stuff. I'm like, this is great. As I'm watching the guy who's getting ready to take the person's order, two people in front of me, is flamboyantly gay. And I laughed. I laughed because I'm like, oh my God, this guy. Wow. Jeez. And I felt conviction. I felt conviction, and this is the phrase that I heard God say and has been etched into my mind ever since then, and that is this, is that you lost the love of the hunt. Because all my friends are pastors, all my crew is now pastors, all my, all my, all my co-workers and leaders, everybody that I know is all spiritually, and I've gotten myself into this bubble so deeply that I can quote the eschatology. I can talk to you about the doxicology. I can walk through all of these wonderful big phrases, right? And I can point Christ in all 66 books. And I can take you through all of this knowledge of God all while I'm judging an individual that he loved to die for. And I realized in that moment, I used to go to parties and love people in their sin and, and pray to God for their salvation. And now I've got a suit and tie on and I know more about God than I did back then. And I hate people more now than I ever have before. Because knowing God puffs up. Knowing his heart humbles you to do anything it takes for salvation to take place. So when I look and say God is love, I'm looking at every single thing that's taking place going, is what I'm doing right now demonstrating his love? Is everything that I'm doing pointing back to who he is? What happened with, with COVID recently, it was unique because it was a global issue. Everybody experienced it at the exact same time. It wasn't like, oh, that disease over there in Russia or that disease over there in South Africa. It's the entire world felt it at the same time. And it was weird because it put the world together in a way that it typically hasn't done. But, like, you know, like when you watch television and you, and you see the news and there's a flood in Texas. And you go, what's the big deal? Put some rain boots on. Go to work. It's really bad. The guy's kayaking down the interstate. I want to kayak down the interstate. That sounds pretty cool. Take your kayak, go to work. Let's move on. 
Or, or there's a fire in California. Like, just take the water from Texas and put out the fire in California. Like, come on, let's move on, people. Let's get it going. We've got, we've got things to do. And people, but in this case, it forces all of us to take a time out. And we no longer could look at another group of people and judge them. We had to realize we're all stuck in the same hole. And this is when God says, for all have sinned and all have fallen short. It is a global pandemic that is not just situation based on your skin color, your, 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 your political beliefs, your income, or what kind of clothes you wear, or how good or how bad you smell, whether or not you have a lot of tattoos, or just a couple of scripture verses, or no tattoos, or your ears are pierced, or your hair is cut, or your hair is long. It doesn't matter. All men, all women, all children are born sinners. You need God. You need his love. It's an issue across the world. The end. And that's when God looks at everything and says, you guys are such a mess, but I love you more than you could possibly ever imagine because it's who I am. And this is how as a mom, and this is how you as a dad can look at your kid and go, oh my gosh, who said it was a good idea to have kids? And 30 seconds later, you know that you would dive in front of a moving train for those kids. Because you can both be frustrated at their action, but your heart for who they are never changes. And this is how God, looking at, our, at us going, oh my word, what in the world are they doing? But man, how much I love them because it's who I am. But just because God is love does not mean there's not consequences for your actions. This is where we, we, we disassociate and we go, I want my God to be like this. Because if God isn't love, but love is God, then your affection has now become an idol. My terminology of how I feel that love should be is replacing the Bible and it's not going, well, it just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel like my God would do that. You know how foolish we, we, we read the Old Testament like they bowed down to a golden calf? Or the Nordic religion, they worshipped trees? Trees. Trees. I, can I tell you this though? I, I, at least they had something physical to look at. We have this feeling that is as fickle as it could possibly go. I just don't feel like that would be my God, so no. Nope. Because if I was God, I wouldn't do that. So if I wouldn't do that, he wouldn't do that. And then we start going, well, that was the God of the Old Testament. God wouldn't do that now. Mm. Did you read Revelation? How about Acts when... People lied to the Holy Spirit about how much they tithed, and he just opened the ground and ate them alive. That was a New Testament God. That was a covenant-speaking, praying-in-tongues version. He says, everyone back up. Hole opened up. Hole closed. And can I tell you, God doesn't change. His love never changed. The access to his heart changed because he grants us more opportunities now than any time in history before which means we have less reason not to be more like him than Moses 
the idea of our relationship with God compared to Moses, to Abraham, to, to David should pale in comparison to where we are today. Think about that. And when we walk through this, we can look and say, God is so much love that he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave. And next week, we're going to be talking about what that giving looks like. We're going to talk about the different attributes of what love actually is. But you have to understand and start with this, is that God loves all things and all people, no matter the mess that they are in. And he loves you exactly where you are. And it doesn't matter what happened this morning on the way to church when you and your family were cussing each other out all the way here. And say, hey, hey, we're in the church parking lot. Stop. And then you got holy real quick. Don't flip. Oh, come on. Y'all know. You know exactly what's going on. I never got cussed out by my parents driving to, to church. But you know what? My dad would drive. And I got some of these every once in a while. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Dry it up. Dry it up. Dry it up. Like, you just hit me in the face, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accident. I love you. Get in the car. Mm. Glory to God, everybody. How y'all doing this morning? Um, yeah, yeah. But listen, I've done it to Mike. Y'all, no, come on. I'll, yeah, y'all, listen. I was watching this guy, and he was talking about conspiracy theories. Does anybody have a conspiracy theory you somewhat believe in? Does anybody not believe in any conspiracy theories at all? As if the government is always right all the time? Like, I love my kids, but y'all, I lie to my kids sometimes. And I'm thinking that Uncle Sam isn't going to do the same to me. No, come on, somebody. Like, listen, I just got to trust this for my own good. No. Um, and so when it comes to it, like, we know that God loves so much, so much. And his love isn't towards a future you. It's toward a present you. He doesn't love you once you get your life together. He loves you in your mess. And this is why so many people go, okay, well, I don't deserve it. I know. Neither do I. In my most cleanest, perfected self, I still don't deserve it. And that's why the Bible says that my righteousness is as filthy rags. Even in my best moment, it's just still the worst. So good news. You don't perform for his love. And his love is meant to draw you closer to his heart. Not to just an academia relationship. We read the word to know his heart. Not just to memorize, to puff up. We pray on a regular basis to hear his loving voice of correction. His loving voice of encouragement. His loving voice of, of, of all of the prophetic things he wants to speak over you. We don't just pray to look and go, check that off the list. No. Everything he does, from spending time in prayer, to spending time in the word, to tithes and offerings, to coming to church, to connecting to a family, all of these things are not a task list of yeses and nos. It's all meant to show you his heart and love. And once you can understand that everything that is written from Genesis to Revelation is from somebody flowing with love... You don't have to go and do it uh, begrudgingly and as if just checking off today's Bible reading. Sure, can I tell you, there's a, sometimes I go, whew, there was a lot of begots in that passage. But nine times out of ten, I can still feel his love, his presence, his voice. Because it's who he is. He doesn't flip a switch of love and flip a switch off. It's consistent, reliable, every second. Of every day. 
So when you go this week, understand, in your highest of highs and your lowest of lows, he loves you exactly where you are. Does he want us to progress? Of course he does. But he wants you to progress because you see his heart of love, not because you're afraid of more rods. One of the greatest experiences in my life was getting to know the why behind what my dad would do. It changed everything. Because dad went from this taskmaster of, really dad, I got to do this again, to, oh, this means something because it means something because it means something. And later on down the road, if I don't do this now, I'm going to have huge consequences. And you love me so much, you're telling me to do the same stupid thing over and over again so that I don't have pain later on in life. And the amount of times I'm like, I know, Dad. And I'm like, well, I said something. Like, uh, yeah, easy example. Uh, I, I worked um, in 2003 to 2007 at this church from 2015 on to today. I've worked at this church, Okay. I started off as a maintenance man, cut grass, I became a youth pastor, I became a maintenance man, youth pastor, worship leader, I became a maintenance man, youth pastor, worship leader, co-kids pastor. It just kept progressing. One thing didn't fall off. But over all of these years, do you know how many times he would look at me and go, hey, rain's coming, you need to check the gutters. Like, I know, Dad. I know, Dad. Until I didn't know. And then you get a call and go, Everything back here is flooded. Because you didn't take 30 seconds, you're now going to spend four hours. And I love you enough to say, do the small things. And when I started realizing that it wasn't just because he was bored and go, well, paint that wall. But there was purpose behind everything. It changed how he spoke to me, how I received. And when you understand that everything God does, there's purpose of love behind everything. When he says, stay, don't do that. It's not because he's trying to be boring. Because he's like, man, you don't want to experience that pain. He is love. We're going to close up. Everybody go grab a card, write something, send it to somebody. Hopefully by now, you've gotten people's addresses on your phone. Uh, you just fill out a card, write their address on the front of the card. As if you're mailing it out, we'll take the postage. We'll take care of all of that tomorrow. Um, but just, just grab something. Send somebody some love. You love them no matter what. I love you, God so much. We need your word. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. So much, God. We need everything that you are. We're so grateful, Father God, that you are so consistent in everything you eat, that you do for our lives. So we love you so much, even in our worst moments. We still love. We thank you that in our, our worst moments, God, that you never <laughs> grow weary in loving us. And, and Father, today as we wrap this thing up, I just, I just ask that you continue to, to show love in a way that everyone understands. Uh, they're listening to your love. They're listening to your voice in your, in your subtle correction, in your hugs, in every aspect. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.